1: Everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another Manic Monday. Let's get rolling.
0: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Right side, fires a three. He hit another. Kobe's in that place. He's in that zone. Final night in the NBA. Kobe Bryant with 12 straight Laker points. Where just leaves it behind for Kobe. Stops for a transition three and hits. Kobe Bryant with 40 for the first time since November 16, 2014.
0: Minute 52 to play, it's 96-88, Kobe's got 49, he works the right side, drives, floats, scores, 51
1: for Kobe Bryant in his 20th year of his NBA career. Fires, holy smokes, this is incredible. This has been absolutely beautiful, you guys, I can't believe it's come to an end. Um, You guys will always be in my heart. And uh, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. No words can describe how I feel about you guys. And uh, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. God, I love you guys. And uh, I love you guys.
2: It's a big show, 97.5, 1280, The Zone, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Joining us now in studio as well from Channel 5, of course, our good friend Jeremiah Jensen, right off the top of the show. Uh, I've got to say hi to Jeremiah first, and we, we need to get to some business with Gordon. <laughs> so Light, and, and then we will we will get down,
0: of course, to the business of the day. Uh, but Jeremiah, thanks for coming across the street, man. What's up? I appreciate it. Well, I think we all know what's up. It's yeah. been a wild 24, 36 hours. I don't know if wild's the right way to put it. It's been sh- uh, shocking, sad, and... I think we're all just kind of been trying to process this big story, that this tragic story that happened yesterday. Yeah, no
2: doubt about it. Uh, my co-host is back from Hawaii, Jeremiah. That's why I say we have some show comma business. Oh, man, to, that's t- tough. The first
0: day back from vacation is the toughest. To deal with. Oh. Uh, but
2: then he, he came back to a not so pleasant day, which I will let Gordon oh. share if he chooses to do so. But I do have to say a warm hello. How you doing? To my co-host and good friend Gordon Monson. What's up, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. It looks like you're you're wrestling with headphones. Is yeah, what it looks that, like. that sounds
1: like uh, putting a muffler on your ears. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll try another option. It's good to see you, though. We missed you. Yeah, I missed you guys. Um, I was uh, sitting on the beach yesterday with 30 foot waves rolling in, and uh, man, man, nature is powerful in that regard. And I get a call. About Kobe, and uh, it was one of those things where you just go, "I can't believe what I just heard," you know. And uh, then the Tribune asked me to, to, to write a column on it, but man, it took everybody. Just uh, I don't, I, 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 you don't know how to respond to it. Really, it's a difficult thing. It's not just Kobe, it's his daughter and those other families, but obviously the fact that Kobe is the person he is in the sports world, uh, we, it, it, uh, it captures us in a way. The tragedy is no less for any of the other families, but, man, it's tough to accept.
2: No doubt about it, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about it uh, today on the show. Starting with uh, with our friend Jeremiah Jensen, and uh, Jeremiah, you heard Gordon talk a little bit about how he first uh, reacted when he heard the news. I,
0: I kind of had a similar reaction. What about you? My reaction was the same. It just first of all, you saw that pop up on Twitter, and I saw TMZ Kobe dead, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, this can't be right, right. Uh, and then as, as the news developed and things started to come out, you're realizing this was real and just complete shock. Um, that's the best way to describe it. I'm trying to think, and nothing comes to mind of something of this magnitude in the sports world where someone who was so big, a global sports icon, honestly, Kobe is known across the globe, Right, one of the most recognizable athletes of this past generation, to be cut down in his prime of his life with so much to live for, Uh, I I can't think of anybody off the top of my head and I think that's why it was so stunning for us for me it just it's kind of a stark stark, uh, just a really difficult reminder of my own mortality Um, when we think of these sports icons it becomes they become larger than life right and we don't think that something like this is going to happen to them and when it did yesterday it was it was just so shocking that was my reaction. Yeah, that's the word, shocking. Yeah,
2: and, and I got to admit, I, I reacted similarly mm-hmm. as the day went on, and we found out more news. I mean, your heart just breaks for the Ugh. kids, uh, for the the kids involved. That's the and, hardest part and, of it, and the families. And I, I guess that's kind of where I settled on it initially. Is that man? I just I'm I'm heartbroken for the the families left behind, and thank goodness Kobe Bryant was able to you know, it, that family will be fine for life. And, you know, of course, isn't that what we're all striving to do is take care of our loved ones, and that, that maybe is a, is a positive thought. But, you know, uh, Jeremiah, you, you brought up an interesting thought, comparable things in the world of sports. Gordon, uh, you, uh, you probably reacted to, was it Roberto Clemente, who, oh, who yeah. died in a, in a plane crash. There are lots of examples, I think, from music, from the music world. Yeah. Um, but, but kind of a comparison, I thought, was, uh, was maybe Elvis, how it was sudden and and somebody that iconic and then i saw somebody yesterday bring up uh, maybe a comparison to princess di and i thought those are all kind of from John other Lennon's another one. right from yeah. other parts of of life i mean i guess the point is that is somebody so iconic and impactful on society that it, everybody feels it in in one way or another and yet the vulnerability
1: that comes with the story no matter how famous you are no matter how accomplished you are no matter how wealthy you are you're still in the human condition, and things can happen. And uh, yeah, I mean this. This is uh, well. We're all reacting appropriately to it now. Uh, some people have had some problems saying, "Hey, he's not a hero. He's not. Don't don't put him up on a pedestal or anything like that." Well, I mean, I, I'm not putting Kobe on a pedestal because of his behavior. Although I think as he matured, he became much more grateful, much more uh, appreciative of the opportunity that he was created for him and that he created for himself. But what he accomplished is just off the charts. I mean, in our lifetimes, how many guys in basketball or in any sport? I mean, you'd have to put Kobe in the top, any sport, you'd have to probably put him in what, the top 40 of, of ever all sports combined
0: I mean when if, that... if we're measuring competitiveness he's got to be in my top 10 of all time he was just a relentless yeah. competitor i mean tom brady michael jordan you have to go to those big names to think of people that were more competitive in their sport and better masters of their craft than kobe bryant i mean bryant. he was so relentless when it came to competitiveness um, I remember 2005, I was a new reporter at KSL, and it was the game where Devin Brown, air quotes, fouled right. Kobe Bryant. I at the remember end of the this game, game
2: well, uh, very well.
0: And, and it, was, it was awful. Jazz fans thought they had a win, and Kobe makes two free throws, game goes to overtime, Lakers win, and we all know how much we hate the Lakers here, right? So it was just a painful loss, and, and, um, and Brown was sitting in the locker room and, and talked about how he didn't foul him and stuff. So I, I did that I went over to the Lakers locker room, I was young. I don't even know if he, was, he had already done availability or whatever. I, I was too naive to know. So I walk over. I wanted to get his reaction on what Devin Brown said. And So I asked Kobe. He says, Devin Brown said he didn't foul you. And Kobe looks at me, and he gets this big grin on his face. He goes, he said what? He said he didn't foul me? And I says, that's what he said. He says, no, man. He fouled the hell out of me. <laughs> like, we all saw the game. Now, <laughs> if, if you wanted to call it a foul... That's fine. It would have been a ticky-tack foul, but okay, call it a foul. He did not no foul the hell out of Kobe Bryant, but in Kobe's mind, he he fouled the hell out of him. And he was so relentless a competitor that even in that moment, just having a one-on-one conversation with the reporter, he refused to accept anything less than what he in his mind determined what happened in that moment. And that was he he wanted to get fouled to win the game. Mamba mentality. That's how relentless of a competitor he was. And that's what I'm going to remember Kobe Bryant for. Love him or hate him, he was one of the greatest competitors in sports history.
2: I'm to remember him as being respectful. My interactions with him, I'm with you, JJ. Yeah. We came up a similar time. Maybe yeah. I was just a touch earlier, but it it the my interactions with him always were, uh, professionally, he'd always answer your questions. He'd never make you, you feel dumb. Yeah. He wasn't those guys. I mean, we all be, ask bad questions from time to time, even the great Gordon Monson, San Bernardino <laughs> right now. And uh, to be treated you know, respectfully, I, I thought I was – because he – Listen, a vi- like a visiting locker room, Jeremiah. You know, you clamber to get to the stars, right? So yeah. everybody else is you're standing around. It's the most awkward thing in the entire world. I don't know how to explain it, but you're you're looking at these NBA players, and you're like, you know what? You're not really good enough for me to talk to. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and wait for the people worth talking to. So everybody waited for Kobe all yeah. the time, and he was always completely respectful. He he. Uh, would say, hey, guys, just wait a minute, and, and those he he always got it, and I always appreciated that because we have a job to do too, and that's
0: not always understood, and certainly didn't have to be by somebody like him. I think Kobe had, he carried himself with a lot of respect. He had respect for <laughs> other people. He had respect for the jobs they had to do. He was interested in what they were doing. He was interested in the job that they had to do and learning about it, and I think you saw that once he retired, his, his emphasis at that point, he, he turned his attention to storytelling. He wanted to, to make short films and, and do different things like that. He, he appreciated what we do, which I thought that says a lot about him that he would take an interest in that and, and, and find it interesting. But he showed that respect. And I, I think, I want, I, like you, I want to give him credit for that because when we, countless times, we got in scrums and everything, and he was always very thoughtful and he really gave thought to what he was saying. He never just. Gave a casual answer, and so that tells you a lot about Kobe, his intellect, and and how he took everything so seriously.
1: Yep, I didn't get a chance to uh, read my good friend Bill Plasky's column in its totality on Kobe, but he was suggesting uh, that uh, this doesn't happen to Kobe Bryant, right? You know, this a guy who had such a great basketball career, but he already was heading into all kinds of different territories. And uh, just expected to live out a very full life. And I, do you see the video clip? I think we might even have the sound of it. When Kobe was being interviewed about why he was using a helicopter to get around Los Angeles. Right. And anybody who's ever lived in Los Angeles, you take the 405 or you let's take them. not
2: Let's not go down that road. But, yeah, there's traffic. We uh, get it.
1: Yeah, there's traffic. And so he lived down in Orange County and he was getting up and, and, and doing his business with the Lakers. And he said the reason he did the helicopter thing was so he could spend more time with his family. Wow, what a cruel irony that is. I mean, he said, yeah. I, his wife apparently said, I'll pick the kids up from school. And he said when he was home off of road trips, he wanted to pick up the kids. Right. He wanted to be able to do that just to spend 20 minutes in the car with him. And that's why he was avoiding traffic via the helicopter. So that that's that's kind of a cruel twist to the whole thing.
2: Well, it's something that hits close to home in in our business. And I'm not. We have just by saying that we have a unique schedule. right, Jeremy? Yeah. You you work a lot of nights. <laughs> we nights, all, weekends, we, absolutely. Right, and it's so tough. just during your free moment, wanting to be able to do something as simple as picking your kid the highlight up from of school. my
0: day is taking my kids to school. Yeah, I, I mean, and I don't get to see them
2: again the rest of the day. Right. And that's, that's something I think we a lot of us out there and probably a lot of our listeners can identify with. And, and you know, to add on to what you're saying, Gordon, he was just – he was with his daughter. They were going to a, a basketball – they were going to a basketball game. And, I think they were going – if I'm not
1: mistaken on this, they were going to the Mamba Academy. They were, correct. Mm-hmm. And I have some, some – you know, my son-in-law went to the Mamba Academy to train uh, for football. And met Kobe and uh, operated in that facility for the better part. of, I think it was like a couple months, and so I don't know. Kobe uh, just doing doing family stuff. He was doing it, it was the it was the uh, uh, you could compare it to you and I taking a minivan and our kids and taking them down to a soccer game or something. You know, it was maybe a little grander. But uh, he was just being a dad.
0: One of the most fascinating things about Kobe was watching him mature from the time he was 18 years old, entering the NBA, to where he was uh, up to this point, where he unfortunately passed away. Was early on, he, he was abrasive with his teammates. He was kind of an he kind of isolated himself. Then he went through the whole trial and everything with the sexual assault, and you, you you remember that Kobe. But then by the end of it, we saw a different Kobe. And then after basketball, we, we start to see Kobe Bryant, the father, Kobe Bryant, the family man. Think about that transition that he made, that growth that he went on. And we kind of watched him do it, which was fascinating to watch and see. Um, quite a change and quite a transformation that he made from the time he entered the NBA as kind of an immature 18-year-old that thought he was going to own the world. And to see him where he was at the point where he was now where... Everything that mattered to him—the only thing that mattered to him—was his family. And I think he had a um,
2: a recommitment to religion, if I'm not right, uh, wrong either, where he re uh, like uh, re-found his Catholic faith and. Poured himself into his family and those. I mean, it's I, I guess just adding on to what you were saying, Jeremiah. The the career arc. Yeah. And he had an interesting relationship with jazz fans, of course, a, a, yeah. a competitive one. There's there's no doubt about it. I remember during um, a playoff series where he criticized jazz fans for criticizing Derek Fisher and that whole thing. Yeah. That was an interesting uh, yeah. pregame, but it all culminated, Jeremiah. And I, I believe you were there la- that night, if memory serves, his last night in in Utah. I not was. his not his last game. But his last night in Utah, where the Jazz did the video, which you can find online, and uh, Gale uh, had a moment, and yeah. uh, he had a moment with Jerry Sloan, and that night was really special in kind of a a tip of the cap kind of way, if that makes any sense. But a little more endearing than that. But anyway, talk about that from your
0: perspective. It was he he understood the moment, so it was interesting. Kobe Bryant, you know, it, I, I talked about his competitiveness, but in that night there was. When you play a team for 20 years, and you have a, I guess I'll call it a relationship with an opposing fan base for 20 years, there were so many times where it was heated, and jazz fans love to hate Kobe Bryant, and I think Kobe enjoyed that, and he appreciated that, and by the time he was done, when you're realizing, this is the last time I'm going to have to do this, I think he had a, a moment where he was really introspective, and he appreciated what that moment was to come here for the final time and play in front of those fans that he respected. He respected Jazz fans. He knew they knew the game of basketball. They brought it every time he came here. And he loved that competitiveness that they had with him. And I remember that was the one thing that stood out to me. Asking him about playing in front of Jazz fans for the last time was he really showed appreciation for the fans here. And it felt mutual. And I'll never forget the moment at the end where he... He hits his chest, pounding on his heart, and he points to the crowd. That was the last time he played in this building. He walked out of the building that way. He, he checked out of the game that way. And it was kind of, again, we talk about arcs from the time when he, he th- threw up those air balls against the Jazz in the playoffs in 1997. And for that 20 year run to finish that way with him saluting the Jazz fans was a really fascinating ending to. What was quite a rivalry and like for you said, a period of two decades. Everything
1: in between, jazz fans hated the guy. You know? Right. Sports hate. But, it may be a and little, he respected it and it, he enjoyed it it, 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 it. it transcended that a little bit at times, you know, when, uh, when some of the off the court stuff was going on. But I can't think of a player who was, who was held in that kind of negative esteem. Right. <laughs> What's the word? I don't know. I don't know if hate is the word, but it's. Uh, I can't think of anybody who is less popular in this arena than Kobe Bryant. And yet, in all of that, anybody who watched him play had to respect his the fire. I mean, that's—and I think when you have that his kind of ability, that's really what separates these guys. Because yeah. there are a number of players, all-stars in the NBA— who, who have ability like that, but they, they don't have that drive. And in that way, I think Kobe really emulated MJ.
2: No doubt. I agree.
0: How uh, many athletes have won five championships and an Oscar?
2: None, I'm guessing. Think about that. Oh, well, that. one, obviously. I mean, zero other than Kobe.
0: That's how I, we got to give him credit, whether you love him or hate him. What a remarkable life to live where you were able to accomplish those two things.
2: In 41 was, short years. He was yeah. kind of
0: a renaissance guy.
2: Yeah, you no know? doubt. How many well, languages he was always smart. Spoke how many languages? Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Jeremiah, we can't thank you enough for coming by. It's I great, to, great to see you in person and, and yeah, get your perspective on the whole thing. We appreciate it. You got it. All right, we uh, we've got a busy day on the big show. Uh, here's the uh, here's the schedule for you. Kristen Kinney is going to join us at 350. Howard Beck, who covered the beginning of Kobe's career uh, on a beat basis, and then, of course, uh, the superstardom from afar. Uh, he's at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Harpering's is at 4.30, and Mark Madsen, the UVU head basketball coach who, of course, was teammates with uh, Kobe Bryant, will join us at 5.20. It's all straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.